Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. This is the first of two parts. Outfield is a big position. It's an important position. It's a fun position. A lot of really great players here. And today on part one, we'll see how far we get into ADP. I think we'll talk about hopefully most of the top 20 outfielders. Welcome, everybody, to the Outfield Preview. I am Adam Azer. He is Scott White. What's up, Scott? hey Oh, all right. hey Oh, pretty good. Uh, Heath Cummings, what's up? Hi, Adam. Oh, come on, Heath. Bring yes. the fun. Oh, I'm going to bring a lot of fun today. Okay. I'm just not going to do what you want me to do. Okay. <laughs> well, I do want you to, of course, talk about why you have Mookie Betts ranked ahead of Mike Trout. Uh, that'll be the beginning of the debate. They are one and two in ADP on Fantasy Pros right now. It is February 26th. Don't really have any MLB news, so that's good. So let's get right into outfield. And you know, what's your overall thought uh, on the position, Scott? How are you feeling about outfield this year? I am not somebody who invests heavily in outfield. It seems like, um, you know, obviously if I get one of the first two picks, Trouse bets, great. I always say Trout's bets. Trout's like bets. I say, put the S on Trout's whenever I say them together. Mookie's just gonna a, I shouldn't Trout. do that. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm pretty, <laughs> I, I think it has more to do with the distribution of talent at the position than a conscious approach I'm taking after the handful of elites at the top. Uh, there's, there's kind of a chasm in the outfield where not many players worth paying up for. And yet there's a lot of depth later on. Is there? Yeah, of course there is. The thing I love about outfield and Roto specifically is at a various points in the draft, almost no matter what you need, you can find it in the outfield. The very best, I think, steals option outside of the top 10 rounds. Billy Hamilton is an outfielder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite outfielders that I think is going like t- six rounds too late is probably the best mid to late round source of batting average. There's just, there, there well, are who, a lot. Come that, on. What are you going to tease us? Who is it? Yeah. Cause if I talk about the guy now and then you're going to ask me a question, I say, well, I already talked about him. Wait, no, so it's okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> no, stay tuned. We have to know. We have to know. Uh, um, and then the other thing I love about outfield oh. is the upside. Acuna Soto. Eloy, Robles. That's the thing about outfield every year is it's just there are so many outfielders. There are three times more outfielders than any other hitter position, and so there, there's, there's always something of everything. Like he's saying, remember, there's an app for that. Well, there's an outfielder for that. Okay. However, if you're playing in a five outfielder league, I'm just looking at your number sixty outfielder. Scott's is Ryan Braun. Heats is Cole Calhoun. In that range, Randall Gritchick, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Tucker, Hunter Renfro, Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson. Jock Peterson. Uh, I don't, guys will, will show up on the waiver wire. I mean, that's always the case with outfielder, with outfield. But if I'm playing in a five outfielder league, I do feel that I have to have at least one great one. I mean, there's no have-tos in fantasy baseball, but I'd really strongly like to have a great outfielder, maybe even two in a five-outfielder league, because I don't think you want to wait too, too long to fill up your outfielders. Well, I I just think it makes it to where those guys are worse than the number 12 at most infield positions. Right. So what does that mean? So I would rather no. I'm with you. Okay. I, well, but I if we're talking a five up, outfielder league, we're not going just twelve at the infield. We're talking corner infield spot has to be filled. Middle infield spot has to be filled. I, I think they're worse than the top eighteen at every position besides second base. It's possible. And again, you'll be shoveling guys in and out of your lineup uh, via the waiver wire uh, in those deeper outfielder leagues. The number three outfield, the three outfielder leagues, the shallower formats. Talking guys like Michael Conforto. Marcelo Zuna, Nick Castellanos, um, Malik Smith, depending on the format. Malik Smith, Victor Robles, Billy Hamilton, they come into play. Uh, okay, so 
Let's uh, let's get into the. I think we're just gonna basically go through ADP, you know, uh, instead of doing uh, kind of the normal format. But we will do sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Do you have an overall strategy? Scott says he doesn't like to invest too much. How about you, Heath? I like to invest early in outfield because some of the best players in baseball are there. Um, I also like to leave a couple of spots, like I just talked about in the Roto League, to where I can use them to fill my um, my categorical needs. Okay, that's very nice. Come and on, who's, who's the batting finally, average guy? Who's the batting average guy? What's what's that? Who's the batting average guy that you love? Just just wait until you ask me who my favorite outfielder is. <laughs> okay. Oh, and then the I last get, thing I, I would say is I I really like it if I can't get. And this is what keeps me from drafting guys like Nelson Cruz often. If I can't get a Profar or someone like that in my utility or on my team, I kind of like it to be an outfielder, especially in five outfielder leagues. Okay. You say Profar because he has eligibility Everywhere. in so many places? Right. Okay. And Scott, you pass up Harper, Yelich, Judge, Stanton, Blackman, that group. You don't typically draft them or what? I mean, if I have the right spot to draft them, I draft. Like I said, it's not a conscious approach. It's just there are those outfielders who go in the first couple rounds, and I might take one of them. just depends where I'm picking. And then there are probably not many worth paying up for. I mean, you get past, like, the Blackman, Stanton, Soto group, those guys that are end of round two, early round three, typically. And then you have steel specialists like Whit Merrifield and Starling Marte. Okay, I might take them. I mean, second base, I think, is weaker. So if I'm taking Merrifield, it's probably for that. Uh, but I might take those guys if I need steals. And then you're looking at, like, George Springer, uh, Lorenzo Kane. I love driving Kane. Fam. Like, that just seems like a really big tier there. Like, I feel like Especially in a roto league where you're looking to nurse batting average, I feel like I like a Nicholas Castellanos as much as that group because I know he's going to help in batting average with decent power. Uh, so that's that's a pretty big tier to me. I don't I don't really like reaching into that one. Teeth, where's the value at outfield? I mean, I I think the position is big enough that that is pretty uh, draft dependent. Um, but I do think I like, I think George Springer in the sixth round when I'm looking at an NFBC data, but I think the sixth round is just a place where I, I really like the outfielders because you can get Springer, Tommy Pham, Lorenzo Kane are all going in the sixth. Um, As Mitch Haniger. So could you see these being the first outfielders you take or the second? I almost always have an outfielder in the first five rounds. Okay. Yeah. But I, but I certainly wouldn't want to make those guys my third outfielder. Then I feel like it's a little overkill. Then I feel like you're not taking advantage of the depth of the position. Um, well, yeah. and it just depends because, again, like baseball has changed so much. I know we talk about this almost every position. A lot of those guys are eligible somewhere else. Not yeah. the guys that I just said, but the, the earlier, Joey Gallo, D. Gordon. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's a just... good point, too. A, a lot of times my first out, may, like maybe it will be a Mary Fields or – uh, a lot of times Joey Gallo ends up being my first outfielder because I need power. Uh, but you know, a lot of people might be looking to take him as a first baseman. Let's say I've already filled first base. Okay. Well, it's nice. I can stick him in the outfield. Gotcha. All right. So how about sleepers, breakouts and busts? And oh, I'll let Scott go first. Scott, who's your favorite sleeper at outfield? So this is kind of why. I don't like to fill or I don't make outfield a priority early is probably a better way of phrasing it because pretty much all my favorite late round hitters are outfielders. Uh, distinguishing sleeper from breakout. Um, I'm going to classify Fran Mil Reyes as the sleeper. Obviously has to win the job first. They have a lot of outfield options in San Diego. I saw a story yesterday about how they're going, they plan to play Will Myers in center field some. That would make things a little easier because you feel like Myers and Hunter Renfro probably are prioritized first and second, but not necessarily for Renfro. And I do think Reyes is 
probably their second best hitter, if not their best hitter of the bunch. He makes exceptionally hard contact, uh, like near Giancarlo Stanton levels with the exit velocity. He came back from the minors. Uh, you know, he got called up pretty early on last season, struggled, struck out a ton, got sent back down. But after coming back, the strikeouts were way down, closer to where they were in the minors. For a big guy, he really doesn't strike out much. And uh, he hits the ball. He has a high line drive rate. He hits it to all fields. He looks like a high Babbitt guy with uh, Giancarlo Stanton-like exit velocities. And I think I think he could be a total stud. I mean, he had stud numbers AAA last year. So Framil Reyes, I'm very excited about if he can work his way into that outfield mix. All right, Framil Reyes for Scott Heath. How about you? Who's your sleeper? I am going to take a guy who has an ADP 62 spots behind Fran Mill Reyes and already has a 30 homer, 15 stolen base season on his resume. And that's Domingo Santana. <laughs> okay. Another guy who walks a ton and makes very good contact. And I feel pretty secure that he's going to be somewhere close to the middle of the order in Seattle. I, I really like his ADP is 270 right now. That's almost the reserve rounds. Mm, yeah, that is that is quite late. Domingo Santana. Okay, it's he's basically free at that point. Framo Reyes going two forty eight on Fantasy Pros, and uh, let's see. So you're looking at NFBC Heath two fifteen on NBC NFBC. Yeah, two sixty two sixty eight on Fantasy Pros. Uh, he's going right after Kyle Tucker. Who would you guys rather have, Kyle Tucker or Domingo Santana? I would rather have Tucker, but wasn't my pick. I think I have them back. I, I, the reason, I, I hesitated because I've got them relatively close to each other. I'll take, just take Santana. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about breakouts? Maybe we're going to get the answer to the batting average guy that he, I think I know who it is, by the way. But Heath, who's your breakout this year? You're not going to get the answer to the batting average guy. <laughs> I'm going to use this for a moment to talk about my, uh, my pick, a pick I just made in the NFBC who hasn't played yet. So Chris says he can't be a breakout, but. Eloy Jimenez. His ADP right now is about 65 spots behind Vlad, and I don't know that their most likely outcome is that far apart this season. I expect Eloy to be up as soon as Vlad. I think the White Sox are try- going to try harder to be competitive this year than the Blue Jays are, even though neither one of them will be, and I just love his skill set. So, yeah, Jimenez, he's a sleeper, Heath. He, he's not a sleeper. He's going in the first 10 rounds. He's going 124th overall on fantasy. So that's 11th round. So, okay, he can be a sleeper. <laughs> yeah, he's in his own little category, the Eloy Jimenez category. Yeah, it is crazy how, how, how much farther down in the draft he's going. Um, Eloy Jimenez, 124th, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the 40s, I believe. Um, okay, and Scott, who's your breakout? Jesse Winker, who I love to pieces. And he's coming off shoulder surgery, but he's full go here at the start of spring training. There were playing time concerns for him at one point after the Reds added two outfielders from the Dodgers this offseason. But their new manager, David Bell, says he sees Winker as an everyday player. And uh, he's in the discussion about leadoff, too, so that could mean a lot of at-bats. Winker... Walks a ton. He walked more than he struck out last year on his first extended look in the majors. He has a batted ball profile, or he did last year, that was virtually identical to the typical Joey Votto season. So uh, he re- gets on base a ton, really geared for batting average, a high BABIP. And then there there have been questions about his power, but it really started to come on last year before he got shut down with the shoulder injury. Six of his seven homers came in his final 35 games. That's only, so six home runs and 113 at-bats, basically. He had a 1050 OPS during that time, a 372 batting average with a 400 BABIP. I mean, high BABIP, but the batting average is, you know, that BABIP corrects, and you're still talking about a really high batting average. So, I I, I mean, I, I don't think it's crazy to think he's mini Joey Votto, who you can get really late. Well, Winker has 14 home runs in 136 major league games with a 299 batting average, also just one steal, so he does not run. Uh, you know, is he a guy who could hit 20 home runs? I think so. I, the scouting reports 
were um, optimistic he would develop power for the most part. He hit. He had a couple fifteen homer seasons in the early, early in his minor league career, which obviously that you know playing fewer games than they do in the majors. And uh, that shoulder injury was something he had been dealing with for a couple years. It pretty much coincides with when he stopped hitting home runs in the minors. And the fact that the power's been better in the majors, I mean, I, I think that's encouraging too. So I, I do think there's twenty, maybe even twenty five homer upside. So sleepers were Framil Reyes and Domingo Santana, breakouts Jesse Winker and Eloy Jimenez. Uh, Jimenez going the highest of these, this group. He's going at the very beginning of the 11th round, about 124th overall, 11th round in a 12-team league. I, I look at the rest of the outfielders, though, and I don't know. I just It doesn't feel as deep to me as it usually does. It doesn't feel loaded with late talent. I used to have the philosophy of, Really early and really late for outfield. Like, take one or two in the first few rounds, because those are some of the best hitters in baseball. And then you can pretty much wait. Maybe I'd take one in, like, the 10th round. But but basically value all throughout the draft at the position. I don't know that I feel that way. I mean, I know you guys are going to give me some names. But, like, I have no interest in Randall Gritchick to draft him anyway. I could see him. He was in and out of my lineup and on and off of my team so much at the end of last year, because he's so damn streaky. Um, you know, Jock Peterson, I'm probably not going to be drafting. Mick Markakis, I don't know, maybe in a points league or something, but I, I, I just don't, I just don't love it. I, I don't love outfield. I feel like it's shallower. Do you, I, I don't sense that you guys agree with me. Uh, like, I kind of I do. You do? I don't sense that Scott agrees with me. That it's shallower than it used to be. At least when you start talking about like outfielder 50 and beyond. Well, it depends who you're drafting. I sure. Mean. Are you targeting upside or are you tar- targeting Nick Markakis? Well, no. I mean, I, I will certainly target Jesse Winker and Framble Reyes and Domingo Santana. I mean, those are good sleepers. But I, a lot of guys, I think, in this group really stink. <laughs> I think Randall Gritchick actually has uh, breakout potential, too. You know, his numbers last year were kind of warped by playing through injury at the start of the season. I don't know. We, I mean, we say that every year about him, I feel. Or... Yeah, and I think last year he finally showed the clearest signs of it. He, believe it or not, okay, you're right. I actually think he's one of the better names. And I think Austin Meadows is too. I'm not saying there are, there's nobody I like. But I will probably be putting a little bit more of an emphasis on it. And look, it makes sense because infield is deeper than ever, right? I mean, infield used to be bad. And the thing is, by the time you get to this range of outfielders, which is what, um, we're around 50th at the position, right? Like, yeah. You should only need one, maybe in a five outfielder league, one, maybe two outfielders at that point. Like right. even I'm not <laughs> like, I'm not filling my outfield with this stage. I've at this point, I've already have a David Dahl or Yasiel Puig or, um, uh, Steven Piscotti, whatever. So sure. yeah, that, this is, uh, this I is, will say it does this seem is like filling a, out your starting lineup territory. It seems like a very common occurrence where Scott and I are at the, towards the end of a draft, and Scott is very happy with his team and just has to find an outfielder. Yeah. It does seem well, that, to turn out. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. That's a good way to go. But uh, I also wouldn't – I would not be passing up some of the early round outfielders because I'm – I guess that's where I disagree a little bit with Scott. I wouldn't be passing up some of the early round outfielders because I'm so confident I can find a good one late. That's not – is that what I'm saying? I, I don't thought feel that's, like that's what I I'm thought saying. that's what you said right at the top of the show. That you don't usually... I feel... I'm saying it's more happenstance than an intentional effort to do that. I am not... In in fact, uh, I probably would take Bryce Harper earlier than most people would. Um, You know, I'd take him at the end of round one. So, you know, it just just depends. Like, I'm not going out of my way to take an outfielder because I feel like it's a, a, a weak position, but I'm not avoiding it either. It's It's just a matter of where are my pick lines up? All right, who's a bust? Scott, give me a bust outfielder. Um, come back to me on that one. Heath, <laughs> Heath give me a bust outfielder. Oh, oh, I'm ready. Nicholas Castellanos, currently the number 24 outfielder in NFBC drafts, ahead of Mitch Haniger, ahead of Justin Upton, ahead of Joey Gallo, I have no interest. And I'm not 100% sure what Castellanos is going to be great at. 
it's hard to be the number 24 outfielder in Roto without being great at anything. I don't buy the 298 average last year because it came with a 361 BABIP. He's not a great walk guy. He's not a great strikeout guy. He's not a great home run guy. He's not he is going a high to steal any guy. He is a like high he, he is one of guy, the best line was, drive hitters in baseball. That was 30 points higher than his career mark. He'll still he'll be a benefit in batting average with 25 homers. If you believe That's, in He's what, hit 25 homers once in his career. Uh, he well, hit 23 last year. So Castellanos was 15th in points, 16th in Roto last year. I think it comes down to if you believe that he broke out in the second half of 2017. Cuz after the All-Star break, he batted 299 with 16 home runs in 72 games. And was not able to carry that power over, but he did have almost the exact same batting average. He went from 299 second half of 2017 to 298. Uh, in 2018, and that would be nice. I, I sort of view him as like a solid guy. I need help across some categories. He'll score some runs, drive some in, give me some homers, good batting. Average. Like he's not a league winner, but no. see, oh, like shoot. a nice, nice, friendly guy to throw in your lineup. When's he going? 80th, so 80th overall is where he's going in in FBC, and I would agree that's too early. Yeah, that's early. Um, I don't know what the end. In FBC crowd, why they're doing that? Well, he's eighty first on like, fantasy pros too, so yeah, it does feel early. Let's just talk where, about my favorite on CBS. I'll compare him to my favorite outfielder and let you know who the batting average guy is. It's Brantley, right? It's Cause, Michael Brantley. Because I feel like we were saying, I feel like we were saying this about Nicholas Castellanos too. I don't, I don't know what it is about our drafts versus the rest of the world's, but I end up drafting him a lot, and it's never in round seven. He's know? eighty, he's eighty fourth on CBS. Yeah. So that's the I, thing. I like that. he went 120th or so last year. It's a pretty big boost in ADP. But actually, I just don't feel so safe in this range of outfielder. This is Tommy Pham, Mitch Haniger, Castellanos, Eddie Rosario, Justin Upton. How do you? I would rather have all of those guys than Castellanos. Do you like that group though? I like Haniger a lot. I usually skip this group. But I I'd, I'd much rather wait until round nine and ten. I mean, you look at the same ADP. AJ Pollock, Eloy Jimenez, yeah. Michael Brantley are all going to be available right. three rounds later. And Conforto, yes. Con- yeah. Conforto, Gallo, right? So, McCutcheon? so we've established that there's a lot of guys you like better than Castellanos, and we like Castellanos, but we don't like him 81st overall. Me and Scott and I like Castellanos. Like, where would you take him, Scott? Like 120th again? Hundredth? Yeah, I'm trying to think of where I've I've probably taken I may have taken him as early as like round eight in a twelve team league, but more likely like round nine. So that translates to what that uh, about one hundred about one hundredth. Are you uh, ready for your your bust here? I am, um, but I'm not. See that this is maybe this kind of shows how I feel about the outfield too. Is I'm. Have for all the names here, I'm having a hard time finding one that I feel like I don't like. Like like in the case like in the case Castellanos that he picked out, um, that ADP does seem too high. It's not a player I dislike. So I'll put Mitch Haniger's name out there in in a similar way. I just feel like uh, given the changes to the Mariners lineup, he may end up underwhelming in that spot in terms of. Runs in RBI mainly because he was around 90th, I think, in both last year, which is high. And um, the changes to his supporting cast, particularly if the Mariners end up moving Edwin Encarnacion, which why wouldn't they? It uh, it may not be enough to sustain him, and he doesn't run much. He's not a huge power guy, so it's. I feel like he's going to have a hard time living up to last year's production. <laughs> We just got a very funny text message. I'm not sure if you guys saw it. I told him yesterday. (laughs) Chris Towers just texted us, what time today? Because I guess he wanted to come on the podcast. I thought he was still on vacation. I owe Chris an apology. He should have been on today's show. Uh, Oh, well, he'll be on tomorrow. I I, I honestly did send him a text yesterday telling him. Oh, okay, good. Well, that's Team Kreeth. That's on on Chris then. So Mitch Hanniger is Scott's uh, pick for a bust. And um, I so they have uh, Malik Smith, Mitch Haniger, Jay Bruce, Evan Encarnacion, Kyle Seeger, Domingo Santana, Omar Narvaez, Tim Beckham, D. Gordon. I know I said that fast. Actually, like 
is Mariners lineup that bad if they don't trade Edward Encarnacion? You know, we can talk about that another time. We got a lot more to get to. Um, I guess Heath and Scott will disagree on Hanager. I think he's probably going to come up more on tomorrow's show. want to focus more on the elite guys today. A couple things I want to promote. Uh, our commissioner product for you serious fantasy players. And honestly, if you're just beginning in fantasy, you're going to love uh, playing on CBSSports.com. But go to CBSSports.com slash FBT and sign up. I think it's perfect for our listeners. We have the best product. The in-app commissioner tools have gotten so much better. The dynasty product has gotten better. They put a lot into that. You can customize every scoring detail, every roster detail. We've got a deep player pool and a feature to add your own player. Just believe me, it is the best product. CBSSports.com slash FBT. Start playing on our website. You won't regret it. And start going to Sportsline. All right, We've got more fantasy content on Sportsline, but it's also a great gambling site. And if you go to Sportsline.com and you sign up with the code Vegas, it's $1 for your first month. So you can really give it a shot and see how you like it. It's only $9.99 after that. So it's not just fantasy, like I said. Gambling advice, picks from our experts, but great fantasy content, great projections. Sportsline.com, use the code Vegas. Get the first month for only $1. Okay, um, ADP review. Mike Trout won, Mookie Betts two. Heath, you want to be that guy? Like we've <laughs> done, we've done this um, a few times already this season, and I am very happy with either Mike Trout or Mookie Betts on my team. If I had to choose a draft position, I'd prefer number two to number one because I think they're both phenomenal and there's a clear two-player tier at the start of the draft. But I had the first overall pick in uh, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. I did take Mookie Betts. I think he's going to help you more in steals. I think he's going to have more runs plus RBI. I expect him to have a better batting average, and I don't think the difference in home runs will be enough to make up for the rest of that. I think that your argument really does make sense. I mean, I would take Trout because I'd feel dumb not taking Trout, but I, I, but I get. I'm just it. very comfortable feeling it. dumb. No, but I, mean, I get it. Uh, especially, I mentioned this on a previous show, but if you hadn't heard, he usually beats Trout by a pretty significant amount in plate appearances, and I think that's really what kind of has put Betts over the top. Now, last year, Betts just had an amazing year. But um, I also think that if you have an OBP league instead of batting average, it has to be Trout instead of Betts. Trout has had a, an OBP over 440 three years in a row. So do you agree with that, Heath? OBP, it has to be Trout? Um, I think that's probably true. I wouldn't go as far as it has to be. But I do think that it makes more sense to go Trout in an OBP league because then maybe you're looking at a 3-2 category split. And, Scott, you have Trout number one and Betts number two overall, not just at outfield, but overall. Yes, right? I have I have made a vow to myself not to get cute with Mike Trout again after the Bryce Harper over Mike Trout debacle of a few years ago. Until Trout shows honest signs of decline, he is the best player in baseball. I... You know, you it's it's so rare that you get an opportunity to pick first overall in fantasy that why would you want to pass up your chance to get Mike Trout? So how come we don't take J.D. Martinez third? His ADP right now is, I think, sixth overall. Yeah. Um, and you know he's going to hit over 300, basically. He could hit 50 home runs. I mean, he hit 43 last year. In 2017, he had 45 in only 119 games. Tons of runs and RBIs. Not that I, look, I ask these questions sort of hypothetically because I wouldn't take Martinez third, but I think I can make the case for it. Why do you think he should be more like six or seven guys? He, he did get taken third in my TGFBI league, which is how I got Jose Ramirez fourth. But I, I mean, I just, I think Jose Ramirez is better. He's giving you steals, a big number of steals possibly. And Martinez will give you none. And I don't think, I, I think the batting average potential is similar. Ramirez, you know, had a poor finish last year that kind of pulled down the batting average. He had a really low BABIP, but he has been a consistent 300 hitter. Um, he's one of the best plate discipline guys. He walked like almost, I don't think I'm exaggerating, about twice as much as he struck out last year, which is just, all right, so so Scott, I think Great. you know you you can certainly use the steals argument um, and the plate discipline argument to support no, Ramirez. It wasn't that extreme. <laughs> I don't, it was I don't one think of, it was one hundred six walks to eighty strikes. But why not? Why not Martinez over Arenado? 
it's just not quite as, and this is a little bit, um, like I don't like the injury prone label for anyone, but we've seen JD Martinez now play 150 games twice in his career. That's true. But he did DH a lot. Um, last that helps. Year. DH not, uh, not cool. It's not 93 games. You know, it's not the, it's not anywhere close to the security you're finding with Arenado. Plus, I'm pretty sure Martinez is the only first rounder on the wrong side of 30. Right. That's another point. He is 31 years old. Little, but you guys don't have any concerns, right? I mean, he's awesome. He is I, awesome. Scott? I haven't, I haven't picked in the range often where you take him, uh, like middle of the first round. You, we, we know I'd go Altuve over him. You know, I'd go Arenado over him. I might be at rarity as far as both of those go. Um, but I, you know, it, even, even if it came, even if they were gone, it happened, it turned out they were gone and it was, I was debating between Scherzer and JD Martinez. I, I still think I'd have some hesitance to go Martinez. I, I think a lot of the problem for Scott and I with drafting JD Martinez is Jose Altuve's ADP. Seems to be wherever Heath or Scott are picking in the first round. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that, and I think I think for us, okay, if you're listening to this podcast, you can ignore ADP because the the first seven picks are going to be Trout, Betts, or Betts Trout, then Jose Ramirez, and then some combination of Altuve, Arenado, JD Martinez, Max Scherzer, right? That's our top seven. Yes. Okay, so then. Now, other people would throw Acuna in there. To me, he's not even close. Okay, so we'll, I we'll think some that. people might, with the chatter about Trey Turner attempting eighty steals, that or whatever, is interesting. People... Yes, in Roto, I think Turner's in that conversation. All right, so that's a top eight, a top seven in points, let's say, and a top eight in Roto that we've established. All right, so uh, that that more or less covers JD Martinez. If yeah, if you're put to the test right now, who is it, Scherzer or JD Martinez? We'll close it at that. Scott, you got to make a decision. You're on the clock. Okay, if I have to make a decision, and by the way, they're clearly both over 30. Um, right. I go Scherzer and points, Martinez and Roto. I'm going to go Scherzer and both. Okay. So here's my bust. Christian Yelich, eighth overall in ADP. Uh, here's a cool stat. Um, Lorenzo Kane and uh, Christian Yelich, they are teammates, hopefully friends. Among qualified hitters, Lorenzo Kane was sixth in baseball. In ground ball to fly ball rate, meaning a lot of ground balls. Christian Yelich was ninth. Kane had a 9.7% home run to fly ball rate. Yelich had a 35% home <laughs> run to fly ball rate. And Yelich probably made a lot better contact, but still a 35% home run to fly ball rate. And I, I sort of like crunched all the numbers with Yelich and looked at his road OPS every year with the Marlins, and I basically came to the determination that if he does hit 30 home runs or more next year, or this year, he's probably going to be first-round caliber. I just don't think he's going to do it. Uh, I, so I think he's a busted eighth overall. Too early. It's... It, it's Because t- I could call Ronald Acuna a bust for the same reason. I feel like you're... Um, Banking on a best case scenario by taking him where he goes. But, you know, if it's 12th instead of 8th, we're talking about a difference of four spots. Like, you'd still be happy to get him there, right? Like, I, I don't know that I could call a guy a bust quibbling over that, you know, over something that's going to easily vary from draft to draft. Well, that's a really tough spot in the draft because after this top seven in points, top or top eight in Roto, yeah, I mean, I remember like a month ago doing a draft and I took Christian Yelich. I just couldn't figure out who I wanted there. I think I know the answer now, and I think I'm just gonna just gonna take Bryce Harper. Uh, I think he's my next favorite guy. But like, you no, know, it's it's interesting because I actually just yesterday moved Harper behind Yelich. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I yep. think format matters. I think Harper in points leagues. And an OB and a league OBP. Let's just say a league that counts walks. He's much safer. So you just never know what his batting average is going to be. But his OBP is always going to be pretty good. But I don't know. I don't know who to take there. It's not an easy call. I just don't think I want to take Christian Yelich. He doesn't feel like a first round pick to me. The, the I, thing I, you have to recognize is he hit 
about a hundred fly balls last year for the whole season. Right. Which is a very, very, very low number. Even if you give him a 25% home run to fly ball ratio, that's pretty easy math. And 25% is elite for a home run to fly ball ratio. You should not expect any higher than that. I guess that's 25 home runs. So I guess I'll just give one last stat on Yelich here because I did. I also did the math on this. Um, if you remove, let's see if I can find it. I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, Scott. You want to get in there, and I'll I'll find this. Well, I, the stat. Th- that's fair. I mean, obviously, nobody's expecting 37 home runs from Yelich again. Um, might it be higher than 25? It, you know, if we're setting that as the over under, I'd take the over. But I think even if it's 25. He's probably going to approach 25 steals. He's probably going to hit right around 300. He gets on base a ton at the top of a deep that's lineup. Too many steals. He's going to score a ton of runs. I think that's too many steals, Scott. That's my guess. He's, yeah, he's he had 22 last year, right? That was, uh, that, that was pretty that was high, high for him. That was a yeah, high. but he's not hitting as many home runs in this scenario. So he's probably going to be in a position to steal more. Those home runs probably aren't turning into singles. Um. They're probably turning into outs or doubles. I mean, I, if, if you want to be that precise, this fly ball, this home run, that this fly ball that went over the fence and now turning into an out, it's a well, one-to-one all right, but even still, I mean, like you're that. talking 20, okay. 22 steals um, is his career high, and now we're projecting him for 25? Wasn't he like 22 out of 25 or something? 26, what a, yeah, 22 out of 26. I, I think he'll give you at least 20 steals and possibly as many as 25. The point being, it's still going to be a... Heck of a player, if not late first round caliber, early second round caliber. What's the difference so, between him and Starling Marte? You know, like you mean what? What's the difference? They well, get on base drastically I, different. Rate. I understand that, but the batting average isn't going to be so different. Marte's yeah, going to steal more bases. The home runs Yelich could be similar. Score a ton of runs, and he's going to hit more home runs. I think in any scenario. Uh, no, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, yeah, probably hit more home runs, <laughs> but not not like. But they're going like. F- Three rounds different. You know what I'm saying? I, I think they're three rounds difference in their expected output. I, I think the great comparison, if I'm right about the home runs, um, is Benintendi. Well, you're very high on Benintendi. Right, but I think Benintendi, I mean, he was a 2020 guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've seen the very best from him in terms of power. The run, they're both going to be amongst the league leaders in runs plus RBI, I expect. They're both going to hit close to 29300. They're both going to steal about 20 bases. Yeah, yeah. and I think another guy you can compare Yelich to is Charlie Blackman. Um, the, the only thing that Blackman, I think, makes me concerned is that he's kind of losing a step. They're moving him to right field. He's 32 years old. But I was thinking about it this morning. Like, I, I would... I think it's possible Blackman is better than Yelich in four or five categories. Yeah, I can go with the Blackman is is better than Yelich, or at least in the same range as Yelich, better than some of those other comparisons. I think I think that's a good one because we both know they're going to be among the league leaders in runs scored. Yelich had 118 of those last year, which shouldn't be overlooked here. They're uh, you know he's going to get more steals than Blackman probably. Blackman, I would bet on hitting more home runs, but. With a similar batting average, so and, I think that's yeah. a good comparison. And I, you know, I don't want to make it out like Starling Marte is is better than Christian Yelich or as good, but I do think he's a great value in Roto, going forty first overall. I think he's a, a justifiable third round pick. Um, in fact, I'm in a fifteen team league and I have the fourth overall pick, and I've already thought about I might take him in the second round. And if he's there in the third round, I think I'm definitely going to take Starling Marte. Uh, again, that's a fifteen team league, so that would be like thirty fourth overall in the third round. But I was surprised to see him going in the 40s when we know the premium that, that Steele's guys get. Okay, let's talk, start talking about more players than just Christian Yelich. The next guy off the board is Ronald Acuna. We will talk about Acuna, Judge, Harper, Stanton, Blackman, Benintendi, Soto when we come back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So, yeah, Ronald Acuna, 12th overall. 
We've done some drafts with some industry guys, and he's going like fourth overall. Um, when would you guys feel comfortable taking Ronald Acuna, Scott? I would feel comfortable taking Ronald Acuna in uh, like mid to late round two. Okay. Do you think he's going to run? I know that had been a concern. He might hit in the middle of the order, but then we got a report a few weeks ago that Acuna might bat leadoff. And if you look at his steals by lineup slot, he stole 14 bases in 67 games batting leadoff, two bases in 26 games batting second, and did not attempt to steal in 18 other starts. So, you know, how important is that to you, Scott, where he bats in the order? There's a chance he leads off. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. I, I actually did this exercise a little bit uh, with Ender Enciarte yesterday because the other side of the coin that we haven't talked about as much. Okay, how much does Enciarte's value improve batting leadoff? And, uh, you know, he, he stole more bases than Ciarte did in half as many games out of the leadoff spot than he did batting lower in the order. So the Braves like to send their leadoff man. They don't like to send anybody else. Uh, I, I think even if Acuna is batting leadoff, I, I, I still think he'll, he'll fall short of some people's expectations and steals. I, I'm not expecting more from t- than like 20 or so, even in that scenario. Uh, but if he bats lower and it's lower for most of the year, then, you know, 12 to 15, possibly. I will say if, if he hits lead, if we get an announcement a week from now that Acuna is hitting leadoff, he's ahead of Yelich for me. He's my number five outfielder. Do you have concerns, guys, about the performance? 21 years old, got off to a slow start, missed a month with a knee injury, and then in 82 games, basically half a season after returning from the DL, uh, Ronald Acuna had a 968 OPS. He he was on pace for 42 home, home runs and 28 steals. Um, d- you know, I don't think you're yeah. going to project him for 42 home runs, but do you have concerns about the performance at all? The hitting? He he strikes out at a at a fairly high rate. And when you're a young player um who's not you know, who's less than proven uh you know, it's it's always harder that second year around the league anyway. So that's that brings possible downside that I think a lot of people aren't considering. But the downside, I think, is something on the level of like a Justin Upton. Like, I'm not concerned Acuna is going to totally bottom out and just be a total waste of a pick. I just think people are drafting him with the rosiest scenario in mind. And that's always a dangerous way to do things. All right, so let's take a look at the next three outfielders who are going in the second round. And similar guys, a uh, lot of pop. Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, Giancarlo Stanton, 17th, 18th, and 22nd overall. How many of them, Judge, Harper, Stanton, would you take over Ronald Acuna? Just Harper. I agree. How many would you take over Yelich? Just Harper. None. Okay, so maybe this is more relevant for auctions because, like, if you're drafting, you're only going to have your choice of one of these guys, most likely. Unless, you know, you could go, like, Yelich round one, Judge round two or something. You're probably not starting your team off with two outfielders, I guess. But do you feel like Yelich, Acuna, Judge, Harper, and Stanton are in the same tier and should be relatively similar auction values? I have them all in the same tier, yes. I've got Harper, Yelich, um, and I guess Acuna in a slightly higher tier than Stanton and Judge. To Yankee hater. Well, I do hate the Yankees. <laughs> everyone should. I, uh, I want to just point out about Aaron Judge that he was basically backing up his awesome 2017 season before he... He had a wrist injury. Yeah, his first 99 games before the wrist injury, he had a 947 OPS. He was on pace for 43 homers, 100 RBIs, 115 runs, and a 285 batting average, and 10 steals. Not bad. And Stanton, uh, I'm hoping there's a bit of a mental aspect for him because he batted 229 at home last year. He hit 20 home runs, but only 11 doubles. Um, he batted 300 on the road. I know he's not a 300 hitter, but I, I feel like you know a guy was getting booed at home. Uh, big contract, you know, a lot of expectations. I'm hoping year two is better for Stanton. Um, but they're all going ahead of Charlie Blackman, which is also interesting. He's 27th overall. 
I would take Blackman ahead of Judge and Stanton, but they are he's in that same tier with those guys. I could make a semi, you know, a, a half-hearted uh, bust case for Stanton. Yeah. If you wanted me to. Go for it. Do it. <laughs> so I feel like Stanton's, you know, he's been able to overcome high strikeout rates in the past because he hits the ball so incredibly hard, harder than anybody. And, uh, you know, obviously that, that leads to great home run rates. But it's it's such an... It's it's a skill that's so tied to athleticism that I'm kind of afraid it's going to age poorly. And he's, um, you know, he's approaching 30. 29. Obviously, we saw the strikeout rate climb significantly last year. If if he loses some of that strength, it, it, it could be a, a quick and steep decline. I don't think he's there yet. You know, he's not 30 even. But that's the case. I just think the lineup in the ballpark make Judge and Stanton safer than, you know, their high strikeout rates make them dangerous. Because I, I get, like, Judge strikes out a ton, and his walk rate went down a little bit last year. But, man, he just owns Yankee Stadium, and they should both— I think they both should have 210 or more combined runs in RBIs. Um, and Judge in an OBP league, I mean, he's a 400 OBP guy. So I think you could take him in the first round in an OD- OBP league, personally. Right after that group we talked about, those seven, eight easy first-round picks, to me, comes into the discussion. But we haven't talked about Harper yet. Uh, and, and you guys feel free to disagree uh, about Aaron Judge. Um, but I think I think you can make a case for so many guys at the end of the first round that he's in it. Uh, not so much Stanton. But, but Harper, yeah, I mean, I know the batting average fluctuates. I think my biggest issue with him is he's kind of streaky. You know, like he could put up a lot of his numbers in a short span and then just kind of be like very frustrating for where you took him for a long stretch. Uh, but I'm kind of just getting over it, looking at the raw numbers. The guy's awesome. And uh, how do you – Heath, you have Harper fourth overall at outfield. Scott, yeah, I'm way down at fifth. <laughs> uh, Heath, go ahead on Harper. Yeah, I, I – and I'm kind of treating this as if Bryce Harper is going to be a Philly. And I think that's the best possible landing spot over all the available options we have right now. And it seems like the most likely. It's a great park for him. Great lineup. I expect him to be awesome. He, he would be downgraded significantly for me if somehow the Giants got back into the equation. He would maybe fall a couple of spots if it was the Dodgers. But as long as he's going to the Phillies, I don't really have any reason for concern with him. What about batting average? I don't think it's going to be great, but I don't think it's going to be terrible either. I mean, he's obviously better in an OBP league, but I, I don't like. I think in an OBP league, you could make a case for him even a little bit higher than the very end of the first round. The case for Harper, I feel like, is people um, because of some injury plagued seasons, they've come to view him as a liability and batting average when healthy true Harper hits over 300. I mean, he hit 330 the year he won MVP. He hit 319 two years ago. Those are, those are the seasons where we look at what he did and, and say, okay, that's, that's Bryce Harper. That's what he's supposed to be. Even in the second half last year, he hit 300. You know, he had terrible luck early, hit only 214 in the second half, so that dragged down the season mark. But he hit 300 in the second half. Um, so he hit 214 in the first half. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you call it. him Drew Harper? Did I? I didn't hear that. I think you, I think you did. <laughs> well, I meant <laughs> Maybe he was Bryce. saying he drew a lot of walks. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know who Drew Harper is. So Harper Harper's a justifiable first-round pick, right? I don't even have to. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, Blackman in the third round. If I see him there 27th overall, it's like the easiest pick in the world. I, I might even take a third hitter instead of a pitcher if I'm looking at Blackman uh, in the third round. Agree? Disagree? I, I agree. I, I agree. There's, there's, you know, I passed him over in this 15-team TGFBI league for Blake Snell. What the hell is a TGFBI league? Because it sounds like TGIF and it sounds like the FBI, and those are two very different things. It's, it's a lot like the Scott Fish Bowl for baseball. baseball. Okay, it's a okay. great fantasy baseball invitational, <laughs> which just like the Scott Fish Bowl, I did not get invited to. 
until I complain about it. Now I might get invited too. Okay. Good and then stuff. turn it down. <laughs> then I'll turn it down. 100%. I just think that, like the thing it, it's easy to say Charlie Blackman had a down year last year and that's true. But the thing that Chris Towers brought up 291, 291 with 29 home runs, 189 run plus RBI and 12 steals was his down year. Yeah, you just hope he's not getting worse. You hope you're not catching the beginning of the end for Blackman. Right. He was a, this number 16 hitter in points league, number 15 in Roto. And you the, get that the, in the third round. That's amazing. The way his defense skills plummeted. Right. Um, you know, that that corresponded to Andrew McCutcheon's fall from first round status. Yeah. But, you know, playing at Coors Field, I think, bakes in a lot of security for a player on the decline. And I'm not that worried about Blackman. And he'd never been like, according to the metrics, at least he had been a negative defensive player in 2013, 14, 15, 16. Right, and he, worse than he was last year in 2014. Okay. But he his his war for for as you know as great as his offensive season was last year, his war went from six in 2017 to 0.8 last year. That's how bad of a defender he was. He was barely worth one. He wasn't even worth one war according to Baseball Reference. And, and if, on Fangrass, he was 2.8. Well, that's why we're stupid. All right, so then, then well, here's a little controversy. All right, so I, I definitely want to get to the next, I would say through round four, if possible, but um, not not required. So Andrew Benintendi and Juan Soto, tenth and Chris Bryant, 10th, 11th, and 12th off the board. Why don't we finish out round three? Because round three has a lot of outfielders. Round three in a 12-team league. Blackman, Benintendi, Juan Soto, Chris Bryant, Whit Merrifield. Um, okay. So we talked about Blackman. Benintendi is one that you guys might disagree on more than anyone else. Let me just look at the rankings. He's 11th for Scott and 5th for Heath in points. And he's 11th for Scott and it's probably going to be 5th again. 5th for Heath and Roto. Um, so yeah. Scott, why? He's going 10th uh, overall at outfield. So it's not like you're down on him relative to the industry, but you are relative to Heath, Scott. How come on, on, uh, Andrew Benintendi. I just don't think there's enough of anything to justify a pick so early. I think, you know, there, there's, there's a case to be made that the, the sum is greater than the whole of the parts for Benintendi, but among early rounders, he's clearly a liability in home runs. He's, he's, you're sacrificing something you should be getting there with an early round pick. And I'm not sure the steals potential round 20 or so, the possibility of hitting 290. Uh, I, I don't think that's enough to make up for it. If you could convince me that there was significant power upside, we could have a different discussion. I mean, kind of with with Yelich last year, I was able to get excited about him because, oh, he's going from Miami to Milwaukee and look at his road numbers and could mean a big power boost for him. But obviously, Benintendi's stuck where he is, and, and uh, it's not such a great place to hit for left-handed hitters. Scott, I need to know what kind of mood you're in today, because I could say something that's like so like mean, not mean, but like like annoying that we could either laugh about or you would get very annoyed about. So how are you feeling today, like with that regard? Good try, me. All right. So you, how many steals for Benintendi? How many steals for Yelich? This twenty-one for Benintendi, twenty-two for. No, Yelich. no. How many do you propose? Like, how many do you project? Oh. Um. It sounded I like it'll could... be. I think it'll be similar for both. Okay, because it sounded like throughout the show you gave Yelich twenty five and Benintendi. I think you said like around twenty, and they basically had the same. Yeah, exact I mean it's rate, a difference but... of five. That's sneezing, you know. Well, like, is it? Yeah. Okay. Right. I guess it wasn't that mean. Um, all right, Heath. Your case for Benintendi, who was the number seven outfielder in points, number nine in Roto last year, two ninety with sixteen homers, twenty one steals, eighty seven RBIs, one hundred three runs, cannot hit lefties. You know, I, th- I just wonder if last year has kind of soured us a little bit on the power potential of Benintendi because his contact rate looked a lot better at age 22 when he hit 20 home runs in Fenway with a 34% hard contact rate. And I don't think that he just got worse as a hitter last year. And that was really just at the very beginning of the power surge for Major League Baseball. So I do think there's a chance we get a 
13, 14% home run to fly ball ratio as opposed to the nine that he gave us last year. If the contact bounces back and he hits 290 to 300 with 20 to 25 home runs, 210 run plus RBI and 20 steals. That's very, very close to a first round pick. Seems like a pretty safe player, especially in that lineup. He's going to lead off, right, Benintendi? He is going to lead off, which is going to give him another, what, 30 plate appearances? And he will have fewer RBIs, but more runs, in all likelihood. The weird thing about him, he hit 16 home runs last year. He hit 10 of them in a 27-game stretch. And other than that 27-game stretch, talking about 120, 121 games with a 750, there's like a 745-ish, eh, like, yeah, like a 745-ish OPS. He was yeah, I feel like those who tuned out for football season probably have a better um, <laughs> remember Benintendi more fondly than everybody who didn't, because he hit two home runs in the second half. And that's probably a bonus. It doesn't mean that's going to happen again by any means. Uh, no. It's just an interesting No, I think he'll hit game. 20 homers, but, you know, in a range where you should expect to get I, I really 30 think... homers unless there's an elite amount of something else happening. When you're talking about Yelich and ben, Benintendi, I really think it's like 60-40 that Yelich hits more home runs than him. So I would, don't think it's as it's as certain as everything else would make it seem. I know the answer is no, no, no for, for Heath. But, Scott, would you take Juan Soto, Chris Bryant, or Whit Merrifield over Benintendi? I would, of that group, I would take, uh, I would take Juan Soto. I think think that's it. Chris Bryant, and who was the third one? Whit Merrifield. Yeah, that's it. Just just Soto. And and maybe not in Roto Leagues. I might I might take Ben and Tendi ahead of Soto in, in Roto. Let's but talk that, about Soto. Yeah, yeah, let let's finish with Soto. A fifty three point seven percent ground ground ball rate. That's like very high. Huge ground ball hitter. I know some people have, have some doubts that he won't be able to hit as many home runs. Um, Juan Soto ended the year at, he's 20 years old, by the way, 292 with 22 home runs in 116 games and 79 walks to 99 strikeouts. Like he just was amazing. 16% walk rate. Uh, what, yeah. What do you think about him in the middle of round three guys? Soto is the 11th outfielder off the board. Soto's another guy that I like better than the consensus. And I just don't think in this could prove out to be wrong. I, I don't really necessarily think he's going to be a 50% ground ball, 53% ground ball guy again. I would expect we're going to see a few of those, if nothing else, turn into line drives. And if you can do what he did as a 19-year-old, I'm just pretty much always going to expect that you're, you've got better coming. I don't know the best way to compare his minor league ground ball rate to his major league ground ball rate. I don't know if you have that exact stat, but on there's minor, just not, there's there's not enough minor league plate appearances. Okay, but well, on minor league uh, milb.com, they have ground outs to air outs. Uh, not exactly ground balls to fly balls, but ground outs to air outs. He had a 1.58 ground out to air out ratio in the minors, and it was 1.91 in the majors yeah. last year. So he he wasn't this ground ball heavy in the minors, but he was but ground ball heavy. That's, yeah, he was still ground ball heavy. Uh, that's. That's the only concern you can find for Soto is just that 25% home run to fly ball rate is a tough ask, as as Heath was saying earlier. Um, and particularly for a player who's so unproven at the major league levels to just assume he's going to do it again. I I would bet against it. Now, maybe the entire batted ball profile... Uh, you know, improves that he doesn't need to, and he's still a big power hitter. Um, I think the plate discipline he has makes the floor so high that I, I, I just, I, I can't fathom a scenario where he's just an out and out bust. But I, I, I think there's the potential for him to be a little disappointing in the middle of round three. Probably not in the points league because, again, the plate discipline is so good and that's worth a lot in and of itself in that format. But, you know, maybe he hits 22 home runs over a full season now instead of two-thirds of a season like he did last year. I, I do think um, it's more likely that he hits 330 than hits 35 home runs. 
I hope but that I, he doesn't have Ryan Zimmerman protecting him in the lineup. That's that's. I'm kind of down on the Nationals. I think. Uh, I see. I, I see potential for them to have a bad lineup. That would be my concern. Um, I would assume and hope he's going to have Rendon protected. Well, I, I mean, they could. They could. They're going to probably hit third and fourth. It's just a matter of who's hitting behind who. So, finally, guys, what do you think about uh, Chris Bryant and Whit Merrifield, 33rd and 34th overall? Pretty much okay with those. I- I'm probably going to prioritize Merrifield over Bryant because of position and statistical scarcity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel much more secure, in- and it's weird, because Bryant was obviously has much better pedigree than Merrifield and has more upside than Merrifield. But I feel more secure in what I'm going to get from Merrifield than I, than I do Bryant this year. And we still haven't gotten to Starling Marte, ladies and gentlemen. He will be the next outfielder we talk about. We will pick it up from round four and beyond on tomorrow's show, Outfielders Part 2, which will be the triumphant return of Chris Towers. Thanks to Scott White, Heath Cummings, I'm Adam Azer, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Wednesday.